Hey guys, it's Greg with the Apple Explained podcast. Today is September 18th, 2020, and what an exciting week it has been for Apple. We have so much to cover today. As you probably know, Apple had their special event this past Tuesday where they announced new products. There's also been a couple interesting headlines when it comes to future Apple products and product rumors and product leaks and a couple interesting things in the news as well related to Apple. So let's get started right away um, with something that started, started off the week on Monday that I thought was hilarious. Um, it was kind of overlooked because of everything that was going on with Apple's event and all the rumors and uh, the news about that. But on Monday, the 14th, there was a headline that said the U.S. Border Patrol seized 2,000 OnePlus Buds, believing them to be counterfeit Apple AirPods. <laughs> oh my God. So, oh my God. I'm going to try to put like a picture up on the screen to show you this tweet. Um, officers at the JFK airport stopped 2,000 counterfeit Apple AirBuds from reaching Hong Kong, valued at almost $400,000 if they were genuine. That's what the the Custom and Border Protection uh, said. If you guys don't know, the OnePlus, uh, the, the OnePlus Buds are wireless headphones that probably look the most similar to AirPods out of all wireless earbuds. And of course, they're meant to compete against the AirPods. What's funny is that they look so similar that they were they were mistaken as like one of those knockoff pairs of Apple earbuds that are Apple AirPods that are like, you know, usually created in China. But these are not those. I mean, this, OnePlus is a reputable brand they've been creating smartphones for years and they came out with these it was it was fairly big news when they came out with their own wireless earbuds but i guess they didn't <laughs> they didn't look unique enough um because they were seized by the CBP that i th- i just thought that was hilarious i just i i, th- I thought that would be a funny way to start off the podcast I've been thinking about that all week, and, it, and again, it didn't get that much attention online or in, in videos on YouTube or anything, because the following day, Tuesday, was Apple's event when we got all the news about the Apple Watch and the iPad, which we're going to talk about next. So, before but uh, but before I talk about that, uh, um, on what day was this? I think this was also Monday. Yeah, also on Monday, there was a rumor about the upcoming iPhone 12. Now, everybody thought the iPhone 12 would be released on Tuesday because that was Apple's um, fall event. And when Apple has their fall event in September, they always release or they always introduce the new iPhone and then release it about a week later. I believe in um, September of last year, the event was held on the... 14th I think and then the iPhones went on sale on the 20th I believe it was around there so it made sense from a historical perspective that everybody expected Apple to be releasing these uh or to be introducing the new iPhone 12 on Tuesday but they didn't and what's really funny what's really funny is that 
if you watch that Apple event right away, Tim Cook, you know, is on the video and he says, good morning. And then he says, today we're going to be talking about two products. Right off the bat, he makes it clear that they're only going to be talking about the Apple Watch and the iPad and people were disappointed right off the bat. But what I want to make clear is that all the rumors up to that point suggested there would not be an iPhone announcement at that event. All the rumors were suggesting there were going to be two different events, one this month for the Apple Watch and, and iPad, one next month for the iPhone. And so far, that has been the case. That's exactly what's happened. So when it comes to the iPhone 12, which will probably be, be getting its own event next month, what's interesting to note is that Apple had an option here, okay? Apple could have had one event just this month and announced everything new for this month and next month because they could have said, okay, here's the iPhone 12. This is what it's gonna look like. Here are the features. It'll go on sale October 30th or whatever. But they didn't do that, which is very interesting. Instead, they made two different events. And what that suggests is that the second event is going to have multiple products. I mean, why would Apple create a whole event just to introduce one iPhone? I mean, I know there's gonna be four different iPhone models, but just to introduce one product category, which is the iPhone. I don't think they would ever do that, and they have never done that. Every time they introduce the iPhone, there's always something else that goes along with it, whether it's the Apple Watch, whether it's an iPad, whether it's a Mac, there's always something else, even an accessory like AirPods, always. And why would they have an event this month that introduces multiple products and then sort of a one-off one next month, which would be kind of disappointing because we expect more out of an Apple event than just one product. And I'll get to why after I tell you about the iPhone 12. So this iPhone 12, rumors are coming in again, and this is a, a, reputable, a reputable rumor from Ming-Chi Ku, or Ming-Chi Ko, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, that says, the iPhone 12 will not have a 120 hertz display. It will not have that ProMotion feature, the high refresh rate, the really smooth scrolling, the really smooth animations that we have on the iPad Pro. We thought it would be coming to the next iPhone, iPhone 12, it's not. Rumors have been going back and forth about this. I made that video, iPhone 12, what to expect a month ago. And in that video, I said, okay, look, 120 hertz refresh rate displays are rumored to be coming to the iPhone 12, but they're also rumored to not be coming to the iPhone 12. It was going back and forth, back and forth for the past few months on whether or not this feature was actually gonna be included. And the reason why, though, the, the reason I heard um, was that Apple could not secure enough inventory of display controllers for the 120 hertz refresh rate displays. Because keep in mind, it, you know, people are going to be upset saying, oh my goodness, this company has a 90 hertz refresh rate display. These Android phones have a 120 hertz display. Why can't Apple do that? Uh, other phones have had this for years. And there's just many things you have to consider when, when creating a product. Uh, one, one thing, battery life does take a hit with those high refresh rate displays. Second of all, Apple creates products in such a massive volume that I don't think other companies can, um, um, that, that, other companies aren't forced to do. Last year, in 2019, Apple sold almost 190 million iPhones. I don't know of any other smartphone company that's selling 190 million of the same product. And that's very demanding. That means you have to have 100 
190 million displays. You have to have 190 million of every single component that's being included in that product. And they're having a bottleneck with this 120 hertz technology when it comes to the display controller. The displays, I guess, they're not having a problem with, but the controller is the bottleneck. So another rumor said, okay, maybe that means we'll only see the high refresh rate display on the most expensive iPhone 12 model. But this um, rumor from Ming-Chi Ku is saying that is not going to be the case. No iPhone 12 will have a high re refresh rate display, which is disappointing. It's extremely disappointing. I was hoping for that this year, but you know, I don't think it's a deal breaker. And I don't think anyone will say, oh, it doesn't have a high refresh rate, so I'm not going to buy it. I don't think it's that level of a headlining feature or like a must-have feature that you would decide not to buy the iPhone 12 just because it doesn't have that. All right, another thing I want to mention, uh, there was a headline on Tuesday that showed Apple is experimenting with a new approach to their retail stores during this whole pandemic period. Apparently, they're testing out Express retail stores. It's a new format that allows people to book Genius Bar appointments and online order pickups while trying to keep... Um, social distancing in place while trying to keep it safe and, uh, uh, you know, safe during this whole, whole pandemic period. And what this looks like, I'll put some photos up on the screen. Um, this is dubbed Apple Express, and it's a temporary retail format for their brick-and-mortar stores, and it's being retailed at Apple Burlingham in California. This is the only location it's at for now. The location has an exterior storefront hub with a partition at the entrance that includes serving counters with window shielding and display cases with popular accessories for purchase and a wall. There's a wall that blocks off the normal shopping floor. So it's sort of just like a walk-up service counter instead of a retail store experience. And I think this will uh, th th this will be good. This is better than having no stores open at all. Uh, there is a temporary facade to indicate where customers should stand to uh, to observe social distancing measures. The system allows one customer at a time to come to each serving window, where you can pre-book appointments and you can line up outside. Now this is good because. It is tough not to be able to go to the Genius Bar right now. It's tough not to get that in-person support. And if you just want to test out a new product, it's tough not being able to test them out in person. So hopefully you could do that also at these counters. Now, I should mention, customers are required to have a, a appointment ahead of time. And that's what uh, it'll get you a QR code and you're going to have an ID. You're going to wait outside and they'll invite you in once you're ready. This is an interesting approach. Other stores have been doing stuff like this and I'm happy to see Apple is moving this direction because I don't want Apple stores to just be closed for a year. I mean, just pretty much indefinitely until this whole virus thing calms down, which doesn't look like it'll uh, it'll be anytime soon. So this is being trialed. We'll see how this goes. It looks good. It looks like it would work well. I like the concept. I think Deirdre O'Brien had a big part in organizing this. She is the head of Apple's retail efforts. 
Um, I really like what she's doing, and I think this will probably be introduced and expanded to other retail stores. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up on that in case you're wondering what's happening with retail stores. Why are they not opening back up? When can we expect them to open back to open back up? Likely there'll be a transition period with this sort of express Apple store format being introduced and then slowly opening Apple stores back to the way they were as the virus uh, gets less severe. All right, so that's it for the... Uh, um, retail news. Next, I want to talk about something interesting that also came out on Tuesday from Best Buy. <laughs> now, normally, I don't really talk about Best Buy. I'm not a huge fan of Best Buy, although I bought my HomePods there because they had a really good deal. But Best Buy recently listed an iPhone SE Plus screen protector. Now, if you didn't, if you didn't know, if you didn't hear, when the iPhone SE was was coming out it was rumored to come out the new 2020 iphone se there were also rumors alongside it that apple was working on a plus model so there would be an iphone se and then an iphone se plus now those rumors sort of died down coming up to the uh leading up to the launch of the iphone se because the iPhone SE Plus did not launch alongside the normal iPhone SE. It was just the typical iPhone SE model, one model, that was it. Now, the rumors started to kick back up again, saying, okay, there's going to be a Plus version. Apple just don't just won't release it until next year, like early 2021, which I thought was kind of confusing. If you're going to have a Plus model of an existing iPhone, why would you wait almost a year later to release it. I thought that was a bit strange, but it may be happening and it may be happening sooner than we expect. It may be happening by the end of this year since this screen protector popped up on Best Buy's website saying it's made for the iPhone SE Plus. And I should have you know, just like with the uh, standard iPhone SE, which has the dimensions of the iPhone 8, the iPhone SE Plus looks to have the dimensions of the 8 Plus, which would make sense. Uh, so I just want to let you know that we may be seeing this SE Plus model, which I, I honestly was questioning whether the rumors were legitimate or not. And it may be coming by the end of this year, which is very interesting. Especially considering if, if it comes alongside the newer iPhone 12 models, or even if it's released after the iPhone 12 models, that will be a really interesting move by Apple. And it'll be, it'll be cool to see if there's a, uh, some price changes. Because the new iPhone 12s will have four different models, all priced in different tiers. Ranging from probably, you know, 1100 down to 700 And then probably the I iPhone SE Plus will be below that $700 mark, maybe $500. Then, of course, we have the standard SE at $400. Maybe I need to make a video titled why there's so many iPhones. <laughs> why are there so many iPhones? <laughs> why I, why Apple is selling 10 different iPhone models? Because there are, they are, I mean, let's think about it. If there's, okay, there's an iPhone SE. Let's just say the iPhone SE Plus is released at the end of this year. That's the second model. Then we have the iPhone 12, the 5.4 inch model. Then we would have the iPhone 12, uh, what would they call it? iPhone 12, plus maybe 
which is the fourth model. And then they would have the iPhone 12 Pro and then the iPhone 12 Pro Max. That's seven different models of iPhone right there. And that doesn't even that doesn't even include if they continue to sell an older model like they do today. I think they continue to sell what the iPhone XR, which adds an eighth model. There's so many iPhone models. I probably should do a video about that. That would be really interesting to talk about. All right, now let's go. Let's let's move on and talk about the main attraction of this week, the Apple event on Tuesday. So Apple did introduce a new. Apple Watch. It's a Series 6, but I have to admit it was kind of disappointing. I was hoping, I just had my fingers crossed for a redesign. Hold on, let me let me let this uh, ambulance pass. I do live right next to a fire station, so you will probably hear a lot of sirens in these podcasts. I apologize. I was hoping for a redesign with the Series 6 Apple Watch. It did not happen at all. There's literally nothing different about how it looks. Except if you turn it over on the back, it has a new sensor array, which includes a a blood oxygen monitor. So that does look a little bit different. But everything else is the same. And there are new color options. They've got a blue color. And they have a product red Apple Watch. Which I remember getting questions before. People asking why... Is there no product red Apple Watch when there's a product red iPhone? And why is there no product red iPad? And no one really knows. Apple just decides on their own what they want to make red, what they don't want to make red. So they finally made a red Apple Watch. A lot of people are excited about that. Something interesting, though, is that there's no more ceramic model. I don't know if you realize this. Um, There was an Apple Watch edition models made out of a white ceramic and I think a black ceramic if I'm not mistaken maybe not black those were removed the only higher end Apple Watch material being sold still is a titanium which honestly I'm not a huge fan of the titanium I prefer the ceramic to the titanium because I think that one looks too much like aluminum if you have an aluminum Apple Watch and a titanium Apple Watch right next to each other it's hard to tell the differences between those two materials it's not as clear as when you have an aluminum and stainless steel Apple Watch next to each other. I really prefer the stainless I think stainless steel is beautiful. It's my favorite. It also comes with that sapphire crystal display, which is harder. It prevents scratching and scuffing, which is a really good, good uh, benefit of that higher-end stainless steel model. And also the titanium. Now, it has the, the new Series 6 Apple Watch has the blood oxygen monitor, which... <laughs> I don't think it's as helpful of a sensor as the ECG. Because blood oxygen monitoring, I guess it would help if you have sleep apnea and your watch can tell you while you were sleeping, you were not getting enough oxygen and your oxygen blood levels went down, which means you were not breathing, which suggests you could have sleep apnea. I guess that would help. But there's not very many applications of that. I guess I, I was also reading that um, if you have COVID, one of the symptoms is a low blood oxygen level, although it's not consistent. That's one thing about COVID is that symptoms vary so great for so much across so many people. Some people, I remember my uh, sister Sam and her boyfriend Corey, they both got COVID 
and hardly had any symptoms. Like they didn't even know that they had it. Um, so that's still difficult. So, so then the question is how valuable is the blood oxygen monitor? And I'm afraid to say, I don't know if it's that valuable unless Apple starts implementing other, other um, features that take advantage of that. And the Series 6 has a two and a half times brighter outdoor always on display. So when you're outside, it'll boost the brightness of the always on display by about two and a half times. And an always on altimeter, which measures um, height, right? It measures height if you're, if you're, I'm trying to think of the word. I don't want to say height. Altitude, it measures altitude. If you're walking up a mountain, you can see how many, how much higher you're getting, how many feet you're walking up into the air, which it's good to have, I guess. The question is how, how much functional benefit is that giving you on a day-to-day basis? Not very much again, which is why I say this update is not very, um, it's not very impressive. It's, it's an incremental update, and I'm kind of disappointed. I was hoping this year would be a bigger update since last year with the Series 5. We kind of already had an incremental update. They also have this new uh, solo band where there's no, there's no latch. There's no... Um, it's, just a, it's just a loop. It's an endless loop. I'll show you a photo of it right now. And it's what, it, what it's made from, how it works is, is it's made from a stretchy silicone so that you can slip it on and slip it off without having to unlatch anything or feed anything through any hole, you know, around your wrist. You can just slip it on and slip, slip it off like a bracelet. The problem is it's not really optimized for any, any Apple Watch before the Series 4. Because starting with the Series 4, we had the new... 42 and 44 millimeter Apple Watch models. And that was a, a, a new size compared to the previous, I don't want to get this wrong, 38 and 40 millimeter, I believe. Okay, okay, okay. Today it's 40 millimeters and 44, and then previously it was 38 and 42. So when you when you're putting it on that smaller series three display, which again is still which is actually still being sold by Apple today, Apple's continuing to sell the series three, which I honestly thought was shocking. The series three is is three years old. It's already three years old, which means when you buy it and you have it for a year, it's going to be four years old. I mean that's just a very old <laughs> Apple Watch. <laughs> And I'm shocked that they're continuing to sell it. I really thought they would maybe continue to sell the Series 4. Maybe they would bring that back. Or I thought they would just create the Apple Watch SE, which they did create, and have that be the entry-level Apple Watch. But they didn't. They brought down the price of the Series 3 again down to... Oh, how much are they selling that for? Let me look it up real fast. I believe it was... 200? Was it 200? Hold on, let me let me give you the right number. The Series 3 is 200, I was right. Starts at 200, which is a great price for an Apple Watch. The problem is it's not a great watch anymore. And I think the benefits you get just going from the $200 Series 3, upgrade that to the, the new Apple Watch SE, 
which you can get for $280. That's already a huge, huge increase in, in, in features and in capabilities and technology and speed. I mean, almost every of every respect across the board, it's a great update. So I wouldn't really recommend the Series 3 to anyone, honestly. I would recommend the SE. I think that's a great value. And the Series 6 is also difficult to recommend. I mean, just like when the Series 5 came out, I, I, I said just buy a used Series 4, save some money. It's not that different. If you're looking at the Series 6, maybe you should just buy a used Series 5. I mean, it's an, another incremental update, which means I'm hoping next year we're going to see that huge, significant Apple Watch upgrade where there's a new redesign and some really incredible new features that we've sort of been waiting for since the iPhone 4. I mean, since this uh, Series 4 Apple Watch, which I have. I have the Series 4, and I've been waiting for that big upgrade. All right, now... I talked about the Apple Watch SE, which, uh, by the way, the Apple Watch SE is technically just this series for Apple Watch without ECG. And it does not have the new blood oxygen sensor. That's pretty much what it is. And honestly, how many people use ECG on a regular basis anyway? I, I'm not really sure. Um, I also want to talk about Apple's new Fitness Plus workout service that you can get a, th a free three-month trial of if you buy one of the new Apple Watches. But I should mention Best Buy is offering an even better deal by offering six months free trial of Fitness Plus if you buy an Apple Watch with them. I guess they made a deal with Apple to offer that three-month trial. But Fitness Plus appeared to be... Um, received positively by a lot of people. A lot of people were saying they wanted to sign up for it. It looked pretty cool. It offers these at-home workouts, which is perfect, you know, for the pandemic right now. And you, you need limited uh, equipment. In fact, I think the vast majority of workouts are just body-based workouts, so you don't need any equipment at all. And there are some programs that require weights, but that's pretty much it. $10 a month. And alongside this, they announced the Apple One Bundle, and I'm going to talk about that in more detail because that's really interesting. This was very highly anticipated ever since the March Apple event of last year where they introduced the new services. They introduced Apple News Plus and they introduced Apple Arcade, all that kind of stuff. People thought they would be introducing a bundle for all those services so that you can get a deal instead of subscribing to all of them individually, which is more expensive. They finally done that this year with the Apple One bundle, and there's three tiers. The first tier is called Individual. It's it's $15 a month. You get Apple Music, Apple TV Plus, Apple Arcade, and iCloud storage, 50 gigabytes of iCloud storage. The next level is Family. That's $20 a month. You get Apple Music, Apple TV Plus, Apple Arcade, and 200 gigabytes of iCloud storage. And Premiere has all of that except two terabytes of iCloud storage, plus you're getting Apple News Plus and Fitness Plus. So the only way to get Fitness Plus in these bundles is with the most expensive the most expensive option, which is $30 a month, which is, I mean, that's a lot, $30 a month. But I guess if you're paying, I don't know. I mean, I don't use Apple Arcade. I don't use... Apple TV Plus. I don't use Apple. The problem is that you're, you'll, you'll be paying for services that probably half of them you're not even going to use. So 
So I guess this really does uh, only appeal to those people who are just <laughs> using all of Apple's services, which I don't know many people who are using all of Apple's services, especially Apple Arcade or Apple News Plus. But anyway, that is an option. That is an option. And I think one thing this is good for are families. If you have a family, you can all use Apple, uh, the, the Fitness Plus programming. You can all get in on that iCloud storage for no addi additional cost, which then I can see how it would be a really good deal. All right, now let's talk about the best thing introduced at this event, which were the iPads. Now, the 8th eighth, eighth generation 10.2-inch iPad, it just got a new, eight, a, uh, a new A12 chip. So it's faster. It's about 40% faster than the A11. And that's pretty much it. That's the only change made to the cheapest iPad, the 8th generation 10.2-inch model. The big update of the day was the iPad Air. This was very anticipated. There were rumors all over the place about this. And it's really exciting because just two years ago, I remember I paid $800 for my iPad Pro 11 inch. And you're pretty much getting all of the tech, the vast majority of the features and technology and capabilities of that 2018 iPad Pro with the new iPad Air. And it's $200 less starting at $599 instead of $799. Now the, the, the bezel is just a tad thicker, so the, the display is a little bit smaller at 10.9 inches instead of 11 inches, but that difference will probably be imperceptible for most people. The big news is that it has an A14 chip. This is a completely new chip with a seven nanometer process, I believe. It's the smallest process Apple has ever included on a chip. It's much faster, better graphics performance. Again, it has that all-screen design that we saw with the 2018 iPad Pro. The interesting thing, though, is that it does not have Face ID, and this was expected because this is a lower-cost iPad, and the Face ID module, the whole system, is pretty expensive. That's why Apple only includes it on their premium products, like the premium iPhone uh, and the premium iPad. But what they did instead may be better, to be honest. They put Touch ID in the power button. Since this is an edge-to-edge -edge display, they had to get rid of the home button, obviously. But they couldn't introduce Face ID, so they introduced Touch ID into the power button, which has never been done before. And here's what is really fascinating about this. The way Apple introduced the Touch ID power button feature was that the technology is very advanced. Almost like they've been working on this for a while. Almost like Face ID might be a... It was a stopgap between the home button Touch ID technology and the power button Touch ID technology they were working on. So does that mean we're going to see a transition across all Apple devices from Face ID back to Touch ID, except it's just integrated into the power button? I don't know, because here's my thing. 
I can see that working well on the iPad. I can see that working well on the iPhone, especially during this whole pandemic when everyone's wearing masks. People are very frustrated with Face ID now because it doesn't identify your face with a mask. So it makes sense that Touch ID would be quicker, easier, more effortless if it's right on the power button, especially if you're clicking the, the you're pushing the power button anyway to wake your device. Now I understand there's raised to wake on the iPhone, but that's an exception. Except when it comes to the MacBook. I'm really hoping we see Face ID coming to the MacBook because while Touch ID is very nice, it would be even more convenient to just lift the lid of your MacBook and Face ID just instantly recognizes you and lets you in the computer. That would be the optimal scenario when it comes to a notebook. But for mobile devices, I definitely understand a Touch ID coming back and I would not be surprised even with the iPhone maybe not the iPhone 12, but maybe the next iPhone, like the next the 12S coming out next year, they may remove the Face ID, make a small, that, that may be how they get a smaller notch out of it, and introduce Touch ID into the power button. That would be very, very interesting. Um, Again, iPad Air has the, oh, it's a, a new five nanometer process. The A14 chip, six core, a14 Bionic up to 40% faster performance, 30% faster graphics than the previous iPad Air. And this is the same chip that's expected to be included with the iPhone 12 and iPhone 12 Pro models. The display has True Tone technology and an anti-reflective coating. It is laminated, which means there's no gap of air between the pixels and the glass. Also, it supports the second generation Apple Pencil, which is huge. Previously, if you wanted to take advantage of the newer, more capable second generation Apple Pencil, you had to buy the expensive $800 iPad Pro. But now you can get in on that Apple Pencil 2 with the $600 iPad Air, which is great. It still has that magnetization on the side, the charging, Automatically, really great technology at a really great price. And of course, this is the first time we've seen an iPad introduced in these colors, blue, green, and yeah, blue and green. We've already seen rose gold on an iPad, but blue and green on the iPad, very interesting. Kind of disappointing there's no red though. Would have been cool to see a product red version. But what this does is it really narrows the gap between the higher end iPad Pro and the mid-tier iPad Air. It's really going to be hard to convince people to spend the extra money on an iPad Pro unless you're doing something really specific and you need that um, that LiDAR scanner or the ultra-wide lens on the iPad Pro that the iPad Air does not have. But other than that, I mean, there's really not much of a difference between the two models and you're saving $200. So that is the most exciting, exciting product introduction of that event. Let's take a look at where I'm at here. Got my show notes. Want to make sure I get to everything since there was so much introduced. Oh, this is another thing I wanted I wanted to mention. Now, there is a 20-watt USB-C charger included with the iPad Air. The iPad Air uh, is transitioning from the lightning connector to USB-C, just like with the 2018 iPad Pro. But the Apple Watch does not include a power adapter. And I made a whole video about this, but it was in relation to the iPhone 12 not being shipped 
with a power adapter. Now, that's the wall, the wall charger, that brick that you plug into the wall, and then you plug the power cable into that white brick. And I think because Apple is not including it with the Apple Watch, it's a sign. It's obviously not going to be included with the iPhone either when that's released or when that's introduced next month. And what's interesting is they did have a little mention of this in the Apple event in that presentation video. And it was by their Alisa Jackson, who is the head of Apple's environmental effort. And she said, if we remove the power adapters from the Apple Watch packaging, we'll be saving X amount of emissions and it'll help us achieve our environmental goals, which is exactly what I thought Apple would do when justifying <laughs> removing accessories from their product packaging. And I think that that means we're going to see the same thing happen with the iPhone 12. Now, they did not introduce a woven cable, like a fabric cable with the Apple Watch, which rumors are suggesting will happen with the iPhone 12. So the fact that it didn't happen with the Apple Watch, I guess, is not surprising since there were no rumors suggesting it would. Also, Apple sells a lot more iPhones anyway, so it would have a greater impact on uh, on the environment if Apple did it with the iPhone or started to do it with the iPhone. But I'm still hopeful we'll see a woven fabric cable similar to the HomePod. The HomePod already has a fabric power cable. I'm hoping we'll see that with the iPhone 12 also. All right, now this is something I am super excited about. There has been a leak on Wednesday, that was the day after the Apple event, there was a pretty huge Apple product leak, an image and a video clip, and I'll show those, showing Apple's AirPods Studio, which I am super, super excited about. If you've heard my previous podcast, you've heard me talking about this, I cannot wait for the AirPods Studio. I currently use uh, the Bose QC35 2s, Got those right here. I use them for for editing. I use them for music. I like to use them to watch movies. Although the new spatial audio feature on the AirPods Pro is is sort of my new favorite. Makes those my new favorite headphones for watching movies because that feature is incredible. I'll talk about that after this. But there's a problem with these Bose headphones. And I think this is a problem across many headphones that are not created by a software company, like a really tech company, they're made by sound companies. The software leaves a lot to be desired. There's a lot of bugs, there's a lot of annoying things about headphones like these Bose QC35 twos, which were, you know, $350 headphones that I think Apple could solve with the AirPod Studio. For example, every time I turn on my Bose headphones, it'll announce what devices it's connecting to. It'll say, connected to Greg Wyatt Jr.'s iPhone and Greg Wyatt Jr.'s MacBook Pro. It'll say that every single time you turn it on and it says when it disconnects. So if it actually, if it accidentally disconnects from a random device or you walk away, you, you walk away uh, from your desk and it disconnects from your MacBook Pro, even though it's not technically streaming any sound from your MacBook Pro, it's just streaming from your iPhone, it will still announce 
disconnected from Greg Wyatt Jr.'s MacBook Pro and then reconnected to Greg Wyatt Jr. And when you're in the middle of music or in the middle of a podcast or in the middle of an audiobook and this thing is interrupting you, just to announce that it's reconnecting or disconnecting, it is one of the most frustrating, annoying things about the product. And that is just a, it's a software problem. It's just, it's just not optimal software. Also, the voice sounds really like a really old Siri, like before the original Siri. <laughs> like it's not even, it's not even as good as the original Siri. Uh, it sounds very unnatural. Um, anyway, let's get back to these AirPods too. That's why I want these so badly. Even if they cost $400, $350, that is not far off from what Sony is charging for their high-end headphones. And I think the AirPods Studio could be even better. Um, and the photos actually, I, th I think they look good. I think the design looks good. I'm surprised that the ear cups are rectangular. I expected them to be circular, um, but I still like the design. It looks like it's equipped with USB-C for charging. And although people are complaining about how they look, they think they're ugly, that happens with every single Apple product ever. I mean, when the AirPods came out, they were made fun of endlessly that they looked like toothbrushes sticking out of your ears. They looked like Q-tips sticking out of your ears. Um, they looked so silly. And guess what? People got used to it. People realized they were being overdramatic and the AirPods became the best-selling wireless headphones in the world. Or actually, the best-selling headphones in the world. And I'm sure the same will happen with the AirPods Studio. But what I'm concerned about... I mean, I like how they look. I'm not concerned about how they look. I'm concerned about the ear cup. Because what it looks like is an on-ear headphone. And all the leakers who are rendering these headphones, they're making the ear cup on-ear. And if you guys don't know what I mean, there's a difference between on-ear headphones and around-ear headphones. If you look at these Bose QC35s I have, um, the ear cup foam is just on the perimeter and that's in, in, in the middle, it's sort of like a dome. And your ear fits inside of this empty space in the middle. And it just sits around your ear so that it's not pressing against it. I don't like when headphones are pressing against my ear. It becomes sore after hours and hours of sitting at my desk, you know, working. But what these, and the rumors of these AirPods Studio was that they would be around ear, over ear. But with these photos and renders, it looks like they might be on-ear, which I'm not too excited about. I'm a little bit disappointed about that. Now, I'm not sure if that's just the renders and the renders are wrong, but I really hope they're not on-ear. I really hope they sit around the ear and don't touch my ears. <laughs> but I am so excited about this. Um, these AirPod Studios are expected to have swappable ear pads and headband padding that will attach magnetically. That's a really big feature that's been touted by these rumors that that other headphones don't have. It would be, how nice would it be to switch out the, 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 the headband to like maybe a sporty style or the ear cups to a lighter style if you're gonna use them at the gym or a more comfortable style with more padding if you're using them for extended periods at your desk. Or even when you go to replace the padding if they get worn or if they get torn or damaged, 
it'll be so easy to just pop them off because they're magnets, pop the new one back on. I remember I had to replace the ear cup foam on my Bose headphones and it was kind of a pain. It took a while, I was afraid I was gonna break it. It was a process. Um, so I'm really excited about that magnetic feature. Also, the AirPods are expected to have uh, active noise cancellation, which I expect to be incredible, judging by what Apple did with the AirPod Studio. The level of noise cancellation achieved on within ear headphones, with earbuds, I was blown away by the noise canceling technology on AirPods Studio. I mean, on, on AirPods Pro. And I still am to this day. Now, is it the most powerful noise canceling technology? No, of course not. Uh, the Bose are m much more powerful. Maybe it achieves 60% of what the Bose achieves. But the fact that it does that well in a tiny form factor, in an earbud, is incredible. Apple has an amazing sound design team. And what they've been able to do across the board with the HomePod, I mean, the HomePod was was tested by these audiophiles and, there were, and, 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 and they all unanimously agreed it was incredible the level of sound quality Apple was able to include in this tiny speaker because the HomePod is very compact compared to audiophile level speakers that take up you know a whole room and at the price point of the HomePod people were impressed AirPods Pro I think are very impressive noise canceling technology so what we're getting here and also the speakers in the new MacBook Air and uh, MacBook Pro are just incredible the sound team is doing an amazing job at Apple so I'm excited to see what they can do when they have a larger form factor to work with with these over-ear AirPods Studio headphones. Also, the ear cups are supposed to swivel up and the uh, AirPods Studio are supposed to have head and neck detection, which means when you remove the headphones and put them around your neck, it'll automatically pause whatever's playing and then resume playing when you put them back over your ears very similar to what AirPods do. But what's really cool, something that AirPods does not have, is orientation de detection. And I've never seen this on any headphone. I don't know if any headphone has ever had this technology before, at least any mainstream version. Usually there's an L and an R on each ear cup on a headphone, and that's how you orient it on your head. But supposedly the AirPods Studio do not have a, a left or right. It's either way. So all you, all you have to do is just pick them up, put them on your head. It does not matter. They're reversible. That's what I'm trying to say. They are reversible. You can wear it any way you want. It'll automatically detect which ear cup is on the right ear, which ear cup is on the left ear. Put the stream, the audio channels correctly on both sides and it'll be a seamless user experience, seamless listening experience. Put them on. Don't worry about a thing. That is going to be a huge benefit of these headphones that I've never seen on anything else. Um, now, we don't know when the AirPods Studio will launch, but I have a feeling, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, I have a feeling since Apple separated the two events, the two videos, one for the Apple Watch and the, the iPad, one for the iPhone... It doesn't make sense that it's only the iPhone. I think what we're gonna see is the AirPod Studio introduced 
alongside the iPhone 12 next month. And even I think the AirTags could be coming next month. There have been leaks of the AirTag, of the design, of the size. And I think they're coming very soon, probably next month. And that's why Apple separated, split the event into two different ones, just because they had so much to announce. Now, we're going to wrap up this podcast soon. And the last thing I wanted to talk about was some international news. I know I have a lot of international listeners, and this is really important. Two things. First, Watch OS 7 is going to bring the ECG feature on the Apple Watch to Colombia, Israel, Kuwait, Oman, Qatar, and the United Arab Emirates. There have been a lot of countries that have wanted a lot of things. Last week, I talked about the Apple Card, how people have, the Apple Card has only been available to US customers. People want them so badly, whether they're in the UK, whether they're in India, whether they're in Asia, they wanted, well, I know India's in Asia. No matter where they were at, (laughs) I almost made it through this whole podcast without a stupid mistake, and there it was. Um, People wanted the Apple Card in other countries. And it is coming to other countries, rumored to be. Apple has not announced it yet. But Apple is in talks with like you know, um, Australia, the UK, to bring the Apple Watch to those countries, uh, the, A- the Apple Card to those countries. And now the Apple Watch ECG feature is coming to these countries as well. So that's really, really good news for you guys. Even though the ECG feature has been out for, what, two years? Oh, man, it's been a while. You just have to wait so long for these features. That really sucks. Also... Apple is bringing the online store to India. Finally, finally, oh my goodness, Apple Apple users in India can finally breathe a sigh of relief. They have been stuck in this like weird situation where Apple technically sells their products in India through third-party resellers. There's no official Apple store in India. And because of that, there's no official online Apple store in India. Um, If you go to the Indian, or yeah, the Indian Apple store, it'll redirect you to other third-party websites. And that's because there was a, there was a, um, restriction imposed on foreign companies that required 30% of their production to be done locally in the country in order for them to have access to retail stores or an online store presence in India. And Apple recently just adhered to that restriction. They just got at least 30% of their production done there. And now they are building a retail store, their first one in India. It's going to be happening very soon. And their online store is coming to India. That, that is just such good news. Finally, customers in India can have Apple support. They can have Genius Bar support. They can go straight to Apple, straight to the source. It'll be such a more convenient experience than having to go through these third-party resellers, which can be hit or miss, or just have long waiting times. I mean, that's a bottleneck for customers having to get their, their product serviced or having to get... Um, a repair done, getting it sent back in, getting get, just getting anything checked out just took so long. It was such a headache. I heard complaints all the time from customers in India, from Apple users in India, and I'm so happy that'll be changing hopefully quickly for you guys. All right, I think 
that's everything I wanted to talk about. Um, I will be releasing a video probably tomorrow called, or no, maybe in the next few days, History of iOS. iOS 14 was just recently, oh, actually there was something I wanted to talk about. What did I want to talk about? I said I would get to it and I never did. Oh, um, um, spatial audio, yes, spatial audio, which just came out with the new release of iOS 14. I downloaded that yesterday. I have to say, if you don't have AirPods Pro, but you are a movie person, you watch movies all the time on your iPhone or all the time on your iPad, I would buy AirPods Pro just for the spatial audio. That is how incredible the, this technology is. And I can't explain, I'll, I'll do my best to explain it. Spatial audio, what it does is it enables the AirPods, it's only available on AirPods Pro, and it enables them to take advantage of Surround Sound 5.1 and Dolby Atmos to make it sound like you are sitting in a movie theater. When I enabled that, that spatial audio and I was watching this movie on my iPhone, I had to like, I took it, I took one out. I took out an earbud just to make sure the sound wasn't coming from my iPhone. It sounded like there was sound coming from my iPhone and also like from around me, like beside me. It was the most weird, eerie, like what the heck? It was so, it was like magic. It really, really was like magic. I cannot even explain it. You just have to experience it for yourself. Oh my goodness, it changes the game. I mean, I love it so much that I would rather watch a movie on my iPhone because right now my sister Sam has my iPad. She's using it for school. I mean, she's a teacher. She's using it for Zoom and stuff. Or I would be watching things on my iPad. I would rather watch movies on my iPad or iPhone rather than my huge uh, big screen MacBook Pro with the external monitor just to have the spatial audio. That is how incredible. It changes the game completely. I cannot believe how amazing it is. When you move your head, the, the audio stays oriented in the right direction from wherever your device is. It's probably my favorite feature. of. It's definitely my favorite feature of iOS 14. I really hope somehow they can bring it to Apple TV. I hope somehow they can bring it to the MacBook. And I really hope it's available on AirPods Studio. Oh my goodness, you guys. I just... I don't know if I can go back to typical audio after listening to this spatial audio feature. It is stunning. It is just stunning. You feel like you're in a movie theater. That's the only way I can describe it. You feel like you're in a movie theater. Um, anyway, I think that's all I wanted to talk about. Uh, iOS 14, history of iOS. I'm going to go through every single version, talk about all the major milestones, all the major things that happened with each model. In my next video, it's going to be a little bit longer because I did have to fit in a lot of content. I'm going through 14 years of iOS. So keep an eye out for that on my main channel, Apple Explained. Thank you guys so much for listening into this podcast. I hope you like this new video format, by the way. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, um, I, do, I did include video on this podcast on the YouTube channel, Apple Explained Podcast. I am now recording video alongside the audio. Hope you guys enjoy that on YouTube. 
I hope you guys have a great week. I hope you enjoy uh, Watch OS 7, iOS 14, and hopefully Big Sur is coming soon. Big Sur, there's still no word on its official release date. That's the next version of Mac OS, but it will probably be coming out sometime next month. I'm hoping that's what I'm most excited for. As much as I love iOS and Watch OS and TV OS, the big, the big update is Big Sur, and I cannot wait to use that in person and get that on my MacBook Pro. All right, guys, thank you for listening. I hope you have a great week, and I will check in with you on the latest Apple headlines next Friday.